This is ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. And a judge hits a home run. Yankees score seven runs tonight. You know that Yankee offense can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. Clark Schmidt picks up the win. He goes five and a third, four hits, one earned run, seven strikeouts. Jonathan Loisica returns to the Yankees in a scoreless ninth inning, one strikeout. They beat the White Sox. And if you're paying attention to the old scoreboard, Guardians with a one nothing victory over Toronto, which means the Yankees gained a game on the Blue Jays. So you take a look at the standings right now. Yay! Wild card, Yankees back to four games in the loss column behind the third-place Toronto Blue Jays. You've got Houston in second place, Tampa Bay, who are, you know, devastating, devastating news today. Shane McClanahan is going to be out for the season. Uh, so you've got the Rays, the Astros, and the Blue Jays occupying the one, two, and three in the wild card in the American League, followed by the Mariners and the Yankees. Boston lost tonight, so the Yankees passed them in the standings. Fangrass coming into the day gave New York a a ten percent chance to make the playoffs. I think they're done. Maybe they'll make it interesting, but it looks like the projection is ninety wins to get into the playoffs. And the Yankees would have to do something like, what, 31-17 and 17 to get there? Which would be the first time they've done that all season long. Despite the fact that they're dealing with injuries to Radon and Herman's out for the year. And, you know, you've got no Trevino. And, you know, you're starting third baseman, Josh Donaldson. Now, he wasn't giving you anything, but he's out. There's just a lot going on with this team that you don't feel great about. But they get the win tonight, 7-1. Mets, unfortunately, lose again 3-2 to the Cubs. Former Yankee Mike Talkman uh, corralled the game-winning home run over at City Field. So there's your recap of the baseball, 800-919-3776. We're talking football right now, and we stumbled upon a, a, an interesting conversation. Is Daniel Jones a top-10 quarterback? I, I mentioned I was watching... Uh, a show earlier today that uh, Greg Jennings had Daniel Jones in his top 10. And I just disagreed with it. I think Jones is in that like 13 to 17 range. Here are the names I know for sure he's not better than. This is just, you are not getting any argument from me on any of these guys. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Rogers, Hurts, Lamar, Trevor, Dak. Uh, I've got question marks uh, 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 next to two guys, Deshaun Watson and Tua. Tua, assuming he's uh, he's healthy, is better than Daniel Jones. Watson, assuming he's right and can get back to what he was prior to him becoming a hornball, uh, is better than Daniel Jones. And then you've got Jared Goff, who I think is also better than Daniel Jones. Those are the guys I know for sure uh, are not even, you know, they're not inferior when it comes to judging him against Daniel Jones. And then you have to look at Gino. Got to look at Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields. Are those guys better than Daniel Jones? 800-919-3776. Let's go to James in Spring Valley. What's up, James? My man, Ty D. Butler. What's going on, bro? What it do, baby? What it do? 
what's first what's going on. Man, first off, shout out to the company. It's kind of crazy that you know quickly Yankees win, but they can't score for Cole Beckham, but they can but can score for Clark. So I got to get out of the way. That's embarrassing. That's but so funny. The they left. They left twenty eight runners on base in in that final game against Houston and the first game against Chicago. Twenty eight runners on base. Exactly, and yet they can score for Clark Schmidt, but they can't score for Cole. That, that's, a, that's a different story for a different day. That's not why I called. I called to talk about, you know, Daniel Jones. You know I'm a Giants fan, and yes, you know, I do troll on the Jets, but this is a Giants call. So I guess my thing is, I do believe, as I told you before, that Jones has a big year, but I'm also not, I guess, a big Daniel Jones guy. I thought the Giants should have probably drafted Josh Allen, but it's not to hear in the there. So not if, probably. If Daniel Jones, not probably. They should, should have. have. Should yeah, have. Should without have. question. Should have. But 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 if then like what would it take for Daniel Jones to be in that mm, that that eleven range? Because I think Daniel Jones is probably the seventeenth best quarterback. <laughs> if we're being honest, and I'm being <laughs> very honest, uh, I'm sorry. Like all the, I'm, I'm being honest. I, I'm an, I'm I as much as I troll, I'm also very fair. I, I, like Jones to me would have to like ball out. He has Waller. He has Saquon Barkley. So if Daniel Jones um, has a great year as people projecting, could he be, instead of maybe being the 17th or 18th best quarterback, could he be the 12th best quarterback? You know, Uh, is that a possibility? It's possible, and I appreciate the call, James. It's possible, but it, it requires him doing more than 22 total touchdowns last year. 15 passing, 7 on the ground. And I, I, I think it is unfair sometimes we just look at the number 15 because he's a dual-threat quarterback. We have to account for the rushing numbers, just like we would have to do the same with Hurts and with Lamar. And I'm not comparing him to those guys. I'm just saying that when you have someone who who takes advantage of you know using his legs and his ability to scramble where it leads to touchdowns, we have to account for the entirety of the package. As far as him getting to 12, Here's the thing. If, if you are someone out there who disagrees with me and, and, and believes that Daniel Jones, like the caller in the K-Show earlier who said Daniel Jones is a top-five quarterback, is out of his mind. If, if you actually thought Daniel Jones was a top-five quarterback, then you would feel like the Giants can win the Super Bowl this year. And no Giant fan out there actually feels that way. What... What Vegas is telling you, having that over under at seven and a half, I think they're like tied with the Bucks and or the Falcons with the best odds to win the Super Bowl. Vegas is telling you, and with everyone in the media saying, you know, you can see the Giants taking a step back, what they're telling you is they're still not sold on this guy. They're still not sold on him. So can he become someone who makes his way into the top 12? I don't know, man. I really don't see it. I don't see it. I really don't see it. But that's why they play the games, right? If Daniel Jones goes out there with you know, much better weapons this year and he puts up gaudy numbers and the Giants go on some run where, you know, they 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 get to the playoffs and win a couple of playoff games and they get bounced in the NFC championship game and it's not just Saquon carrying them. It's not just the defense, you know, running a mock on opposing offenses. He is the face of what was a tremendously successful season. Then sure you can take your, you can talk yourself into him, you know, becoming a top ten quarterback. But right now, I just don't see it. We go to Trey in 
Texas. What's up, Trey? What's up, Bug? What up, baby? What's, what time is it, man? What time is it in New York? It's jet time, baby. So why are we shouting out the company right now? Ain't these the same people that be talking crazy and brolic about you? <laughs> nah, the, the company... same people, right? Nah, they be showing me love, man. They be showing me love. You sure? Yeah, Because it's, it's somebody that be talking real brolic in the morning, man. We don't got a problem, do we? we nah, good? There, was some, there was some cornball who had some things to say about me, but it's all good. I wasn't a company member. I was... Uh, that was okay. just a that was just a regular lame. You know how they do. They get up early in the morning okay. grumpy. All right, all right, nothing all right. better so, to do. Right. I thought we had a problem with the company because nah. I hear them all the time and I just don't know who they are. And you got to fill out a questionnaire to be down with the company. I'm like, what you got playing Dungeons and Dragons too? Come on, get out of here. <laughs> nah, they cool. They cool people. They cool people. All right, man. All right, well, we the family at nighttime here. Let's so do you it. know the company is cool, but but at night we the family. Let's do it, man. You know what I'm saying like the family. I'm talking like Bonanno. You know, like that kind of family. I yeah. feel you, like, dog. Leave Ty alone. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> let's, let's move on. What's going um, on? Yeah, um, so I, I was watching One Jets Drive today, man. You know, I've been very critical of Aaron Rodgers, extremely critical. You know, just don't like his face. You know, but he's growing on me. Pause. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yo, he's doing the right things, man. I don't know if it was the meeting with Method Man at practice that, that kind of threw me over a little bit. You know, a, a, a genuine fanboy, man. I don't know if you saw it, but Method Man totally fanned out when he saw Aaron no, Rodgers. I, I did so, see that. Yeah, I peeped that. That came across that was, the TL. That was so genuine right there, man. That was a that was a genuine moment right there, you know. Um, you know, and Sauce giving him the chain and everything like that, man. It's very, very good. Very good. He's doing everything right, man. He has done on this little press run he's had, everything right. Well, I have to applaud him on that. You know something too, Boot uh Trey, it does show me how important this is for him. I, I think, and I wanted him to feel like he needed this. I didn't want him to feel like, you know, I just want to go somewhere else. I want to leave Green Bay and finish my career elsewhere. I wanted to, him right. to feel like he needed this. He needed to win a championship here with this organization to not just solidify him as an all-time great because he already is, but to help, you know, ascend him on that hierarchy and help erase some of those playoff demons because he has come up short, you know, as the higher seed. And a lot of and a lot and a lot of high seed possibilities, you know, yeah. to get to the Super Bowl, you know, yeah, yeah, he has done that. And I also think that that he's had to take a step back from his ego a little bit too, man. Like, let me check this, how I was doing it in Green Bay, because I don't think they go go for that in New York too tough, that yeah. little smug little thing. We don't do that here. So he got to be very careful, but, and he's doing that. So I, until, I just got to see him on the, on the field. I holler that Buddha through texting on the phone. He said the same thing, man. We're tired of it. We're tired of all the, the preliminary. It's time to get to work. <laughs> um, another thing real quick, man, what did you think about this Ramirez-Anderson thing, man? Uh, Tim Anderson getting getting yeah. jabbed up and getting knocked out. I thought it, man, it Ooh. sucked. Yo, it sucks you getting knocked out and then getting suspended for six games. Bro, what, that's a that's rough what one. I'm saying, man, that's, you, know. <laughs> you get chin checked and you get and you get the longest suspension out of everyone. That's a I'm tough give pill Tim to swallow. Anderson so much respect for dropping that glove and going for what you know. I have so much respect for that. I really do. Just the result, man. I mean, bro, you, when you put your hands up, keep your hands up, bro. Don't drop your hands. Keep your hands up. I've been in many street fights. Keep your well, hands listen, up, man. When you, yo, Mark Jackson was trying to put y'all on game during the NBA telecast. I thought he was just talking about guard and shooters. 
He said hand right. down, man hand down. down. He's man talking, down. He talking about that, scrapping, bro, too. He's talking about scrapping. for years. <laughs> Somebody on St. Mark's and Utica right now is going through that hand down, man down. We don't play them type of games, Ty Yo, Come listen, on, baby. I, listen I'm, I'm not here condoning violence. What I will say, no, though, no, those no, baseball sir. fights... I mean that that those felt like they didn't really want to scrap. You were just doing That's it just a, to just to make it look like you wanted to. These guys wanted to scrap, so I respect I'm that. A, I'm gonna keep it all the way tall with you. That's the best one since Joey Bats and uh, Rookie. Oh yeah, best one since then. <laughs> when he put him out. <laughs> oh, you put him out. Hey, do you put? I'm gonna put that one up there. With Robin Ventura and Nolan, yes sir. You know what I mean, Joey Bat, Joey Bats and Rookie. It was good. Like I, I thought it would have been a better fight, but like I said, man, hand down, man down, boy. Keep your hands up at all times. Yeah, all times. man. Damn, I, I actually forgot about that Odor and, and Joey Bautista. O- How Odor? did you forget about that? All the just the layover, the whole thing with the playoffs uh, and everything. Yeah, that was and in I'll... the playoffs. He just caught him uh, with that right hook, laid him no, out. No, 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 no. He hit the home run that walked them off in the playoffs, and then. They played the following season, and it was oh, carryover yeah, from the following season. That was oh, because that was that's when exactly Joey. What happened. Yes, that was when Batista did the bat flip in the playoffs. That's oh yes, now it's all coming flip. back that's to right. me. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. it is coming back to me. He he did the bat flip and in the playoffs. Everybody in Texas and everybody in Texas was waiting for him to come down when Toronto came down to Arlington. Everybody was waiting for him, and he got what he he got what he got. Oh man, I'm watching the highlights of this, and Batista's doing the same thing where. Yo, you get pushed. Your hands got to go up immediately, bro. Immediately. Odor pushes him. Bautista comes in with the left hand to, like, try to smack him. Like a little lazy smack and just gets rocked right in this koofy. That's crazy. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls. Let's hit a quick break, and when we return, we'll talk to you. Ty Butler right here on 9870 ESPN. You are smoking some strong ganja. This is ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Lot of lot of fodder. I wasn't I wasn't into it at, at all until the day it actually was announced it was gonna happen and I said, you know what? Let me just embrace it. Shit could be cool. Some fun storylines. You know, Rogers is is polarized and I think he's going to try his best to control and dictate the narrative. The the Jets do have some personalities in that locker room, setting up for what should be a fun season. Initially, it was, you don't want the distraction, but if this is going to derail your whole operation, you were never mentally tough enough to, uh, to, to become a success story anyway. So why not just embrace and enjoy it? I'm looking forward to catching up on that tomorrow. I'm seeing a bunch of uh, clips and quotes coming across the TL, so uh, we'll have to get that one popping tomorrow. 800-919-3776. Once again, the Yankees win tonight 7-1 to behind Clark Schmidt. Funny how baseball works, right? Two straight games, uh, final final one against the Astros, first one against the White Sox where they lost 5-1 yesterday, which was just embarrassing. They left 28 runners on base, and then tonight they erupt for seven. So couldn't put runs on the board for your ace, Garrett Cole, who's probably on his way to winning a Cy Young. I don't know. Yankee fans are not going to care about that too much if, if they don't win the World Series or at the very least make the playoffs. But you couldn't put runs on the board last night. They were able to do so today. So now they go into tomorrow in the rubber game of that matchup with the chance to win the series. 
before an off day on Thursday, and the Yankees haven't announced who's going to be pitching tomorrow. Is it going to be Severino? Is it going to be a bullpen day with the off day on Thursday? We know the White Sox are going with Mike Clevenger, but we'll see what happens with the Yankees. They are now 59-55 and on the season. Can't believe we're this late in the year and they're barely above 500. But, you know, such is life. 800-919-3776. Let's head to my old stomping grounds, place I still will call home for the rest of my life, BK, and we talk to Jose. Good evening, Ty. Shout out to the company and hello to Joe and Chantel. I just wanted to definitely chime in on the giant conversation because, you know, uh, me being, you know, it's not, it's not for me to troll. What, what, what do we say, Ty? Ty. <laughs> so here's the thing with, here's the, thing with um, the Giants here. And the issue is, is that you're, you're totally right. They, taking a step back is unacceptable. Now, to me, where I do disagree with is if they make the playoffs and somehow end up being in that first matchup with the Eagles or a team that's superiorly better and they show a spirited, you know, showcasing and still lose in that first round. Hey, you know, to me, that's not really much of a step back, but I understand where you're coming from with that. But missing the playoffs uh, and kind of having a worse record that to me is going to be an un. Uh, it, it, it's not a question. It's a failure, and I don't understand why people are trying to double down back on it. And I, the only thing I can say is, is one, you don't have faith. The, the this giant fan base clearly doesn't have faith in Daniel Jones because there's clear there's clear questions there. And then two, we have to then accept if Daniel Jones regresses or doesn't make, take that step forward, we then have to look at the job of Dayball and Shane and say, were all of these improvements necessary improvements, and do they actually help with the long-term picture? And that is the true question of what people are really avoiding if they are to have the losing season. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, what I wanted to say, you know, because I, I think that they have been given like this anointed powers where they can do no wrong, and everything that they do is totally right, and I get it. The proof is in the pudding for the first year, but Herman Edwards had a good first year, right? Yeah, so Rex did Man- had yeah. a good first year. So, so like, did like Eric Mangini. Eric Mangini yeah. had a good first year. Todd exactly. Bowles, now Todd Bowles didn't make the playoffs, but you know, 10-6, and six, had a good mm-hmm. first year, and I appreciate the call, Jose. I, I, it's not a failure, right? It's a massive disappointment, though. And then you head into the offseason with some legitimate question marks, depending on how it happens, of course. But, you know, was Brian Dable a fluke? Daniel Jones, is this contract going to age well? You still, you know, have the ability to get out of it at the end of next season. But there are just so many questions you would have to ask yourself headed into an offseason where you made all these improvements, you were this high on the team, and you missed the playoffs. That can't just be accepted. And that's that, That's what I'm trying to tap into here. This notion that, you know, you go into and reluctantly accept the the inevitable year two regression. Well, why is it inevitable? Why? Why is it inevitable that the Giants are going to take a step back? I don't get it. We go to Dwayne in Virginia. What's up, Dwayne? TDB, how you doing, my man? I'm I'm doing well, man. What's going on? 
Um, well, you know, I got a few things, but one, you know, like Joe Leo answered the phone. I thought he would have had his own answering service set up by now so he could have cut out early. Yeah, he decided to stay the entire shift tonight. <laughs> uh, that's good. That anyway, that's like, yeah. So, you know, the way the upper echelon of the Yankees organization treats the fans, the way they speak to us, they, they treat us like children. They, they talk to us in a language that we supposedly don't understand, you know? Yeah. But with, with the injuries, with um, – I mean, the Domingo Herman situation is definitely different and serious, and I wish him the best. Um, with the Rizzo incident where, you know, he got, he got a leg to the head by Tatis, but that was May 28th. It was just a few days ago that, you know – and, yeah, he played, and I understand. He played ten you know, weeks with post concussion symptoms. Uh, that's he said he couldn't. He said he couldn't see. He said things are blurry. You can't put a guy up to the plate when he can't see a ninety-eight yeah. mile an hour fastball. It's dangerous, you know. I mean, it's look, so Dwayne. It, it's a laundry list of things that have just gone wrong for the Yankees. Uh, between you know, Rodon. I, I know it wasn't a big deal, but at the time, it felt like it to me. He's blowing kisses at the fans in Angel Stadium in the midst of him him, you know, missing significant time, coming back, not being right, and now he's back on the IL. You got the Herman situation, Rizzo you just brought up, Cashman's inactivity at the deadline, Boone after a game where they struck out eighteen times, told us about you, you know hit it all you the, hit it all on the spot. At right back there, quality though. and you've got how questioning it's accumulation of bad things, man. You've got you've got how and I appreciate the call, Dwayne. You've got how talking about, you know, why Yankee fans upset in June. It's just been an embarrassing season. They are losing the PR war. Bader the other day. No, not worried about where we are. We continue to play this brand of baseball. We'll fi- this brand of baseball has you right now four games out of a playoff spot. This brand of baseball has you in the midst of what is Boone's worst regular season as a manager. This brand of baseball has you on pace to miss the playoffs for the first time in seven years. This brand of baseball ain't working right now, bro. It's the lack of urgency, and to your point, the way the front office likes to pretend they're just smarter than everyone else. And every time they come across a postseason failure, there's always some meeting of an excuse. Injuries and crapshoot that they try to sell you on, and we're just not going for it. So we'll see what happens and how this year ends. You can't tell me that with this team on paper— you still should be expected to miss the playoffs when you could argue it's never been easier to make the postseason. You've got three wild cards on top of getting in via your division, which we know right now is off the table. But you can't get into the playoffs when they're giving you three wild cards and you've got the second highest payroll in baseball? Your ace is having a Cy Young-esque season and you still can't get into the playoffs? And at the end of the year, you're going to sell us on, yeah, this plan is working. Nah, ain't cutting it this time. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls. Also, Ron Rivera said and did something today to me that was alarming, and I didn't like it. So we'll talk about that coming up right here on 98.7 ESPN.
the analytic people with the Yankees. I hate you. This is ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. I get called a troll, and this is what he does. He's, he's texting Jake every time the Yankees lose a game. What a bad dude. That's a bad dude. That is a bad, bad dude. 800-919-3776. Wanted to touch on a few things. Uh, first and foremost, just because I get giddy about this stuff, uh, Hoops Hype listed its top 15 point guards for the 23-24 NBA season. Luca, Steph, SGA. Okay. John Morant, Dame Lillard, Trey Young, Tyrese Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox, James Harden, Jamal Murray, LaMelo Ball, Jalen Brunson. How is Jalen Brunson 12th on this list? How are you projecting of all, of all the point guards in the NBA? Jalen Brunson is going to enter next season as the 12th best one in this field behind LaMelo Ball, behind James Harden. I get Harden led the league in assists last year. But if you tell me going into next season, who would I rather have? Who who would the Sixers rather have right now? Harden or, or Jalen Brunson? Tyrese Halliburton? And he got the nod on the All-Star team over Brunson. But I think Brunson had the better finish to the season. You can't tell me headed into next year you're going to put Jalen Brunson as the 12th best point guard. I can live with him being behind Lucas, Steph, SGA. I can live with him being behind Dame. De'Aaron Fox was an All-NBA guy. Jamal Murray should be higher on this list, too, based on the, the playoff run he had. I know Jokic got all the attention and love, and rightfully so. But Jamal Murray, as the number two on that team winning a championship, was pretty special. But Trey Young's got to be low. John Morant, just because of all the question marks surrounding, you know, what's going to happen with him next season, he's got to be lower. You figure, I mean, he's not going to be available for the entire season. So how is he fourth? You cannot have Jalen Brunson 12th on this list. I'm sorry. So that's a bad job. Bad job. In other news, Ron Rivera today uh, was asked about the relationship his players have with his new offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. A lot of these young guys, you know, they do struggle with certain things. And a lot of you also got to take for where they've been. I mean, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Guys come from other programs aren't as much. So us as a coach, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change because he believes in it. Jack has his approach. You know, um, having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try and figure guys out a little bit more as opposed to, hey, this is it, this is the way it's going to be, that type of stuff. Where Eric, Eric hasn't had that experience. And just that when they came to you, it was just they felt like Eric was riding them too hard, or they just were a little concerned. Yeah, I don't love you publicly voicing this to the media because of the context, and it's a non-story in my opinion. You've already seen Chiefs players come out and defend Eric Bieniemy. They love the intensity he brings. They feel like it's helped bring the most out of them as players. So you don't question Eric Bieniemy in that regard. But when you look at the history and recent memory, his inability to land head coaching positions, I felt like this was just too much to publicize on the part of Ron Rivera. It's been incredibly difficult 
for Bienemy to get a head coaching job. And we've seen in this league, all you need is one great season as a coordinator to get a head coaching interview, to get a head coaching job. His Chiefs went to five straight AFC championship games, pretty much led by that super-powered offense. And I know Andy Reid is the mastermind behind the offense. He's the offensive coordinator. And, yes, he does have Patrick Mahomes, but he deserves a lot of credit for his team, led by that offense, hosting five straight AFC championship games and winning a couple championships. But for some reason, and we know the reason, the NFL has a problem hiring minority head coaches, we've, we've found that it's been difficult for him. And you can throw out there the stories, well, he's, a, he's not a great interviewer. So you mean to tell me he's a good enough interviewer for coordinator positions, but once it comes to him becoming a head coach, he just completely falls apart in these interviews. Has no idea what to do. He's overcome by stuttering. He, he just, The resume's not good. Like, what are we talking about here? So clearly there's an issue. So Ron Rivera doing this to me just gives a license to the skeptics, to the non-believers, to the naysayers to continue to impugn his potential as a head coach. Where now you're looking at, you know, the type of relationships he's built with his players, and maybe he's too hard on them, and maybe he's not the right guy to be the leader of men of a 53-man roster, where you have to be the CEO, not just the head coach, where you have to control everything going on as a part of your operation, running a football team. You're just giving people a license to continue to question that, giving them ammunition. So it's not a big deal. I just thought that we would have been better and Eric Bieniemy would have been best served not to have Ron Rivera come out and express this, especially when you're, you're the, the, the part in there about Jack Del Rio where he says, you know, Eric has an approach and it's the way he does things and it's not going to change because he believes in it, whereas Jack Del Rio has his approach and you know, having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try to figure guys out a little bit more. So now you're 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 implying there's a stubbornness when it comes to Eric Bieniemy. So again, now we can have the the naysayers say, "Well, not a good interviewer. He's got some 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 friction with players. He's a little bit too intense. Not as a relatable as he can be. And there's a stubborn aspect to it. I didn't like it. I didn't like it for a guy who's you know fought really hard to to get a head coaching job." This, to me, comes across as another roadblock. And it might not be a big deal. I hope it's not. But it's just something I think could have been avoided. Could have been avoided. Quickly wanted to weigh in as we transition to bas- back to basketball. Uh, Anthony Davis last week got a three-year, $186 million extension. And this was the obvious move. You know, people are going to question... You know, why did the Lakers do this? Injury history, never available. Guys, what were they supposed to do? Were they supposed to just let him walk at the end of next season and risk losing LeBron in the process? We know that's his boy. We know they're under clutch sports. You do everything in your power to maintain this partnership. And you just bank on Anthony Davis and LeBron James being healthy. Because when they're both on the court, 
We've seen them win a championship, and this past season we saw them get to the Western Conference Finals. Now, that was interrupted in 2021 when AD got hurt in that first-round series against the Suns. Then last year, they both were injured majority of the season, so they missed the playoffs completely, finishing 16 games under 500. But then this year, you know, they were able to battle back from injury, get back on the floor, and they got to the Western Conference Finals, four wins away from getting back to the Finals. So this is an obvious extension. The number looks ginormous, but that's just the nature of all these contracts. It was the obvious move for the Lakers to, to lock Anthony Davis up to this lucrative of an extension. You want to keep him in town. The, the hope was to have LeBron pass the baton over to him. You know, as LeBron aged out of being the best player on a championship team, you wanted to see that go to, to, to Anthony Davis. It just hasn't happened. But that's the move you got to make. That's the move you got to make. And lastly, came across this yesterday. Uh, Nesson put out a story. Ezekiel Elliott, the fiscally smart choice and insurance policy for the Jets. <laughs> yeah, I'll play along. So Nesson, we know, is the home for you know, all the Boston teams, including the Patriots, who might be the worst team in the AFC. So they're suggesting that Zeke could be the fiscally smart choice for the Jets as an insurance policy. You know, Brees Hall's coming back from an injury. You know, Michael Carter's coming off of a disappointing season. Bam Knight, what to expect from him. So go after Zeke. No thanks. Mike Tannenbaum said something earlier today. Uh, here's what he had to say. I think it's really important. I'd say it's more a necessity. When you look at their first four games, and it's a tough schedule with Buffalo, and Dallas, Kansas City, New England, and Brees Hall, I think, is going to be a great player. But my experience with ACLs, you just want to give it time. And I know they're saying all the right things, and hopefully he's ready to go. But, you know, your quarterback just took a massive pay cut. I think that would be a good use of funds to get him in the fold because you have a chance to do something really meaningful this year and um, give yourself that extra opportunity because at some point you're going to need depth at that position over 17 games. So that was Mike Tannenbaum on DPH on Rothenberg when asked about Dalvin Cook being – uh, more of a necessity or a luxury for the Jets. And I've, I've been on this already. I said it's a necessity in my opinion. It's not a luxury. Yes, this is a guy who in the past four years has, has rushed for over 1,000 yards, 44 touchdowns in that span. You have a lot of question marks in your running back room. You were a – I looked this up earlier. Only six teams last year – rushed for fewer yards per game than the Jets. You're going to need a lot more production from your backfield with an aging quarterback in a new offense. You're going to need your defense to, to be what it was last year, of course, but you're going to need massive production out of that running back room. You don't have to be top three, top five, but adding Dalvin Cook to this mix easing Brees Hall back into the equation, see what you get from your rookie Izzy, I think that is more of a necessity than a luxury. 800-919-3776. We wrap this show when we return right here on 9870 ESPN. He's growing on me. Paul. First of all, Ty, I want to thank you for setting that whole situation with Trey correctly. We, the company, actually promote Ty, the sensei, the dojo, because we love him. We love listening to him. We listen to every show on this station, but we are here for DPH around Rosenberg, Trey. I actually met Trey's father at the Mark Tesla event. So, you know, it's all love, baby. 
the company is a family. So at the end of the day, it is what it is. When you shout out, when you say the family, we listening to, bro. So, and yes, you do have to take a questionnaire to get in because at the end of the day, you need to know the show. And Ty, <laughs> uh, listen, I, I hope uh, my Giants do good this year. You, you know, you keep talking about this whole setback thing and all of that. I hope not. I, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to be as optimistic as optimistic as optimistic as possible because the Yankee season stinks. Uh, luckily, we won tonight, seven one. Last night was gross. I'll let you finish this show. Shout out to the company. Yo, appreciate you, man. Appreciate the love. You you guys always do pull up on the scene and, and, and show a lot of love and, and, and positivity. As far as the uh, step back for the Giants, it's not something that I'm predicting. I, I just keep hearing about it, and it doesn't make sense to me. The math ain't math, and as they say.